Love Talk Radio. Tony, uh, mate, the place is rolling down here. We uh, we really need you here fast. Uh, mate, I just need you here now. Come on, boy. Don't, don't. 
God, we're grateful. Because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength and our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified, that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life, eternal life, God. We pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord. Where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, we know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, uh, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, uh, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Uh, touch us on today, Lord. Uh, we need you like never before. Uh, fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, uh, and give us a refilling, Lord, uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh? we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh? that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, huh? they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Huh? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Huh? We thank you because you are a healer. Huh? You're the God that healeth thee, huh? and healing is in your wings, huh? and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Huh? You're able to save our troubled souls, huh? and in the name of Jesus, huh? bind every demon, Lord, huh? every demonic force, Lord. Huh? God, that comes to keep us uh, in the same place, Lord. Uh, we're willing, God, to surrender uh, and say yes to your will, Lord. Uh, we're willing to turn our lives, God, uh, over into your hands, Lord, uh, because we come to the place, God, uh, where we realize like never before, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, more than anything we know, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, while men are trying to find, God, uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God, uh, we're looking to you. Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our trouble.
trouble lies, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise.
looked around and I just see bodies all over. It was quieter in that room now. I remember at that moment, I was like, Angel, this is not real. This is not real. This is a dream. This is a dream. Wake up. This is a dream. And I kept on repeating it. This is a dream. Wake up. I kept on hitting myself. I was pinching myself. And I just opened my eyes and I was still there. And I hear some footsteps coming into the door. And I put my head down because I didn't know who it was. And I just start hearing pops. And this time it was slower than before. Pop. Pop. I couldn't understand why until I came to realize that it was a shooter and he's shooting everyone that's on the floor. And I remember hearing the shots closer and closer. So at that moment, I thought to myself and I said, Angel, I think this is a time that the Lord has given you to make peace with him because you're about to die. And I said, Lord, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry, but please, I'm about to die. Take me with you. Hi, Angel. Welcome to Delafe Testimonies. We're so excited and honored to have you here to share with us. For the people that may not know you, can you just introduce yourself? Yes, I am Angel Cologne, and I'm super, super, super excited to be here with you guys. Now, Angel, can you kind of take us into your life before Jesus? Were you raised in the church? Did you know who Jesus was at all? And what was that like for you? Yeah, I was born and raised in church. Um, as a child, I loved going to church. It was a thing for me. I loved to worship. I loved having the mic. I loved being up in the altar all the time. It was something that I just grew around. My mom used to sing. My dad played an instrument, so I always was surrounded with worship, and it was something that I loved. Um, but even as a child, at the age of five, I, I noticed that I was attracted to other boys. And um, I love talking to parents because at this point, I knew even at that age that something was not right. I knew that I had to talk to Jesus, and and it's why it's so important for parents to speak to children, even if it's you know even if they're young, because that's what they did to me. And I, I just knew quickly that just something was not right. As I grew older, these these feelings grew stronger and stronger, and I did start to have some experiences uh, in this. And um, I remember I had an experience with an older cousin, and that just taught me to initiate these experiences. So as I grew, I would in initiate things with other boys. But there was one point where I just stopped everything because I was getting to know Jesus more as I grew older into a teen. And I grew into being this teen that was on fire for the Lord. And uh, I, I ended up being like the president of the youth on fire for Jesus. And I just loved doing everything that I needed to do for Jesus and worshiping him. But these feelings just grew stronger and stronger. And uh, there was now, something Angel, that was... Sorry to interrupt you, but was your parents aware of some of these desires that you were going through? Did anyone know that you were having these struggles or was this something that you were keeping inside? It was something that I was keeping inside because growing up in this kind of church, it was kind of scary Talking about homosexuality, even when you heard about it, you would hear a quick, it's a sin, you're going to hell if you don't change. So it was something that I just kept inside of me. I uh, was scared to tell my parents. I was scared to tell my father, being the only child in a Puerto Rican home, I didn't know how the reactions were going to be. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I just decided to keep it inside. And even at church, there was just no, no openness. There was no transparency, and it was something that I needed. I needed to be able to feel safe. 
I needed the church to be a safe place for me. And at that moment, it didn't feel safe at all for me. When in reality, I was hoping to see people confessing to each other and helping each other and just hoping that one day someone was going to be like, Angel, I want to join this journey with you in this. But I was scared. I didn't see any of that. I just saw people just talking about each other and not helping each other. So I just decided to just keep it all inside. But when you do that, it just builds up more and more and more until one day you explode. It's like a bomb. And I remember at the age of 18, my parents had split. They got a divorce. And that just turned my life upside down completely. And I used that as an excuse, as an open door to tell God, well, you made this happen. So I decided to go ahead and just go head on into the lifestyle, something that I was dreaming of for a while in my in my youth just being in this lifestyle so i took the opportunity as soon as i graduated high school i left my home i moved into the city and i just started living in that lifestyle of homosexuality and about a a year went by and i was just feeling these things of me missing my relationship with jesus me me knowing that this lifestyle wasn't the right way to live, having these convictions. And I would pray and I would tell the Lord, I, I miss you. And I came to church one night and it was a powerful service and the prophet called me up, started prophesying over my life and I gave my life to Jesus. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to try this once again. I'm going I'm to try this. I'm going to go all in and I know that you're going to change me and this is all going to be over. And I came back to church. So Angel, tell me a little bit about that moment, what made you want to give your life back to Jesus if it, you know, up to this point, you know, it hadn't really worked to turn you back straight or to make you right with the Father? What kind of in that moment made you want to say the prayer again, want to go up to the altar, want to give your life? Yeah, I was seeing just times where I was being convicted by the Holy Spirit and just remembering how it was to worship. I was remembering how it was to be with Jesus. And I was missing that more and more every day. And I just, I was in church for about a year, a year and a half. And I was praying and I was fasting. I was in the worship team. But again, there was no openness. There was no transparency. I wouldn't hear other testimonies. I didn't see other people that were like me. And as much as I was praying, I was confused because I still had these temptations. I still had this struggle. And I would ask the Lord, Lord, why am I not changing? I'm doing my best that I could. I'm doing my best to live the right way. And I just felt lonely, lonely and lonely. I wouldn't connect with the men in the church. I wouldn't connect with the pastors. And if anything, I would hear them making jokes of gay men in the church. And that just made me just hide even more and not share the things that I was feeling until I couldn't take it anymore. And I broke down and I said, Lord, I I tried. I tried to come back to you. I tried to do my best. I prayed and I fasted, and these temptations aren't going away. Because when I was young, I was taught that, you know, the moment that your temptations and your struggles and all that go away, that's when you're free and you're good to go. And I wasn't experiencing that. So I said, Lord, I love you. I love worshiping you, but this is just me. This is who I am. I'm gay. And I went head on, and I, I left church, you know, and the same way that it says in the Bible that the spirits are going to come and test you and see if you're empty. At that moment, I was empty completely. I was empty completely. And that moment that I went back into the homosexual lifestyle, 
everything was more intense. Just my feelings were more intense. The desires were more intense. And not only going into homosexuality, but becoming an alcoholic and using drugs, the things that I promised myself that I wouldn't do, now it was happening. But the thing was that even being in this lifestyle, the Holy Spirit was tugging in my heart, and I would hear the Lord calling my name. I would go into the club, and I would hear a voice that would tell me, Angel, you don't belong here. What are you doing here? I would have experiences where I would be drunk. I would go into the club, and I would just start to sing worship songs out of nowhere. The crazy (laughs) thing was that someone would always join me, and they would sing the whole song with me. And I would always ask him, how do you know these songs? And they would always tell me, Angel, I used to be a worshiper. I used to be a preacher. I used to be in church. And it's just crazy to to know how many people are in the lifestyle that know who Jesus is but have a lost hope. And that's something that I I stick in my head and and I make sure that I always remember those moments because it gives me that boost and that fuel to continue the things that I'm doing now. But those those things just kept on happening. The encounters kept on happening. I would have spiritual warfare in my room where I would see demons and I would just have this authority out of nowhere to, to cast them out. And I couldn't understand what was happening. I couldn't understand the authority that I had at that moment. Now I understand. But at that moment, I would ask the Lord, Lord, I'm living in a way that is not a view that you don't bless. If anything, right now, I'm a child of the devil. Like, the way that I'm living, I'm not even close to you. But it's just crazy the way that these encounters would happen would just let me know that God would go to the darkest places just to encounter you again, just to call you again. It it let me know that I wasn't too far gone, that the Lord still loved me. I didn't think that I was going to have these experiences. I didn't think that I could feel the Holy Spirit. I would be driving randomly in my car, and I just felt to put on a worship song, and I would just weep under the presence of God, and I would ask him, Lord, what is this? Like, the way that I'm living every single day, I'm pushing you. You're getting closer to me, and I'm just pushing you to the side, and just the, the, the intense way that I would feel the Holy Spirit I would just know that God loved me, but yet I was still so consumed in this lifestyle that I didn't know. I didn't know how to get out of it. By the year 2016, six, seven years had passed by of me being in the lifestyle and being deep in it. And 2016 came around and I was just fed up with the lifestyle. I didn't want to be in this lifestyle. I tried to get out. And I would break down and I would just have these moments where I would pray and I would ask the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to get out of this. I'm trying in my own way. I'm trying with my own strength. You know my heart, Lord. You you know that I love you. But I don't know how to change. I don't know how this transformation is going to happen. This is just me. Angel, what were some obstacles that you were running into as you would try to leave the LGBTQ community and then like that kept you in this cycle? The things that would just block me, it would just be this, these intense feelings of me speaking over myself that I am gay, that this is who I am, that it's not possible to change. Even seeing the way that a lot of people from church would treat others, I would be like, I don't know if I belong there. 
I'm so different. I'm I'm the opposite of what everyone is in church. I didn't know. I thought I was just too far gone. I didn't know if it was really possible if God could change me. And those thoughts would just always be in my head of, Angel, how are you going to let this go? This is your identity. This is who you are. Your life is literally surrounded with just gay things, gay friends, gay jobs, gay parties, just everything. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what made me happy. And I thought I was happy, but it wasn't bringing me joy, what true joy is. And those things would just be in my head and just those voices that would tell me, Angel, you can't change. You could try. You can go back to church. You can do this. But you can go and you're going to come back to your normal life and still have the same feelings and desires. And those voices were the things that would tell me, just don't even try anymore. And I remember in April 2016, I, I broke down. I was in my room. I remember I'm on my bed just laying down. And I was just talking to the Lord because I, I still had this, this connection that I couldn't understand with Jesus. I, I couldn't understand how being in the lifestyle, I didn't think that it could happen until I experienced it myself. And I, would just, I was just on my bed laying down and I was talking to the Lord and I was telling him, I love you. I miss you. I want to come back to you. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to fight this. I know that in your word it says that it is possible that there is freedom in Jesus Christ, but Lord, show me. I don't know what it is. And I said, I'm tired of doing it on my own strength. It's obvious that I can't do it by myself, and I need you, Lord. And I said, Lord, and this prayer is a prayer that I call the dangerous prayer because I've, I've, I've heard it before. I've heard people make these kinds of prayer, and I was like, you know what? Let me try this. And I said, Lord. Allow me to go through whatever I need to go through for me to come back to you. And I don't care what it is, Lord, but I want to come back to you. I know that I need you in my life. I know that in my future, it's going to be you. You're my future, Jesus. The thing was that I, I knew this throughout my lifestyle. I remember when I had left church, I made a pact with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm never going to be in a relationship because I know that one day I'm going to come back to you. And then years had gone by, and every time I would try to get in a relationship, it was just it would just not work, and I wouldn't understand. And you know, I would always forget that pact that I made with God, and seeing it happen that relationship were not working. I remember also leaving the church and telling the Lord, "I will never sing for the world." And I remember every time I would try to sing, I would just feel like I would sound like trash. So for eight years of my life, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with music, with singing. These things I was remembering when I made that prayer. And I said, Lord, allow me to go through whatever I need to go through for me to come back to you. Kept on living my life, forgot about that prayer. And two months passed by, and June 11th, 2016 came around. And I remember I was at work that day. I was let go early of work. I was going home. I didn't plan on going out at all that night. I had gone out the night before, and I was hungover still. I went out, and I got a haircut. I was starting to get texts from people. I had a friend uh, in town, and I was like, you know what? Let me just go out. And I got invited to go to a house party, and in the house party, I crashed into my friend Luis, 
which was so awesome. I hadn't seen him in a long time, and I just saw him give him a hug. I asked him where, where he had been, and I didn't know that the Lord was doing the work in him already at that time. That night just kept going, and we all decided uh, to go to Pulse Nightclub. So we went, had a time together, dancing, drinking, and they call, last call at 2 or 2 a.m., so I go ahead, I go to the bar, got my last drink, came back into the main dance floor, and I was chatting it up. Some people were dancing. Some people were starting to say their goodbyes. And I remember at that moment, 2.02 a.m., I hear a loud pop. And I remember it was so close to me. I, I hear it in the right of my ear, pop. I remember seeing an orange flash across my face. I jumped, I dropped my drink, I got scared, and in seconds I just hear pop 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 really fast and all I could think at that moment was run and I turned to my left I ran about two or three steps and I remember I start feeling hot taps behind my legs and because of the force I fell down on my face and in seconds the club is in chaos you could start hearing the screams people jumping over each other, trampling each other. I remember at that moment, even though I, I knew I couldn't walk, I was already shot in my legs, I still attempted to get up to run. And at that moment, I remember someone just jumps over me. I feel a foot behind my left leg, and over the screams, over the music, I hear a snap. And I remember, I remember feeling the most excruciating pain that I've ever felt as my leg was being broken at that moment. And I fall right back down on the floor. And at this time, I can't move. I'm starting to not feel my legs. My left leg is broken. My right leg is all shot. And all I could do was just cover my head. And every time I look up, I just see bodies just falling down one by one. There was a lady that fell next to me, and she was in pain. She was yelling. I remember I grabbed her hand, and I told her it's going to be okay. And at this moment, I hear the shooter go outside. I can hear the shots going on. And I took that time to lift my head. And I looked around, and I just see bodies all over. It was quieter in that room now. And I remember at that moment, I was like, Angel, this is not real. This is not real. This is a dream. This is a dream. Wake up. This is a dream. And I kept on repeating it. This is a dream. Wake up. I kept on hitting myself. I was pinching myself. And I just opened my eyes, and I was still there. And I hear some footsteps coming in through the door, and I put my head down because I didn't know who it was. And I just start hearing pops. And this time it was slower than before. Pop. Pop. I couldn't understand why until I came to realize that it was a shooter, and he's shooting everyone that's on the floor. He was making sure that everyone's dead, that he finished the job in that room. And I remember hearing the shots closer and closer and closer. And the lady next to me, she was in pain, and I held her hand. I told her, it's going to be okay. We have to be quiet. Stay still. Pretend you're dead. As I'm telling her that, I hear the shots coming closer, and I tell myself, Angel, close your eyes. Stop breathing. Don't move. Pretend you're dead. And at that moment, I had my hand in my face covered. I'm holding her hand with my other hand. And I remember hearing a loud pop. I got scared because it sounded just like the first pop that I heard that night right next to my ear. I jumped. I opened my eyes. 
And I remember seeing the body of the lady just jump up and down. I remember her hand lets loose of my hand. And I look at her face and her eyes just shut. And at that moment, in the inside, I'm panicking. Never in my life would have I thought I was going to see someone get murdered in front of my face. I'm panicking in the inside because I know I'm next. He knows that I'm alive. I'm holding her hand. But yet, I'm still trying to pretend that I'm dead. I'm trying to not make a sound. I'm not trying to move. I'm just staying still on the floor. And I can feel him just staring at me behind me. I could feel him. I could feel his presence right behind me. But it was like if time froze. Nothing was going on. I can feel him behind me. So at that moment, I thought to myself and I said, Angel, I think this is a time that the Lord has given you to make peace with him because you're about to die. And in my head, I start praying and I start asking for forgiveness. And I said, Lord, please forgive me for the way that I've lived, for the things that I've been doing. Please forgive me that I pushed myself away from you. You were always there with me, but I was the one that pushed you away. And I said, Lord, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry, but please, I'm about to die. Take me with you, please, Lord. Take me with you. And still nothing was happening. Like if time froze. But something just clicked in my head, and, it, and something just made me change my prayer. And I started to prophesy over my life. I said, Lord, no, I'm not leaving here dead today. I'm leaving here alive. You promised me that there was purpose in my life that hasn't been fulfilled. So that means that I'm going to be here alive. You promised my mom that her son had purpose that still hasn't been fulfilled. So that means that I'm leaving here alive. And I just kept on prophesying over my life. I kept on telling the Lord, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to testify what you're going to do in my life. I'm going to worship you, Lord. I'm going to come back and worship you as hard as I can. And it was like if there was spiritual warfare going on at that moment moment like if I was changing the plans of the enemy at that moment and I just kept on praying and praying and the moment that I said amen in my head I said amen and right there I hear pop and I remember feeling my body jump up and down I remember feeling heat and pain just pain in my midsection realizing that I'm being shot all over again and I just see black and I think to myself, Angel, you're dead. You're dead. That's it. He shot you again. Point blank. You're seeing black. You're dead. And at that moment, I hear some footsteps walking away. And I open my eyes. And I remember at that moment, all I could do was just thank the Lord. It was as if that prayer that I made when I was prophesying over my life it was like if that just gave me the strength to not move, to not yell, to not twitch, to not make a sound as I was being shot all over again. I couldn't understand why. With the pain that I felt at that moment, it was like if God was just holding me, telling me it's going to be okay. And I know that that prayer, it was, it was because of that. And at that moment that I opened my eyes, I could just thank the Lord. And I was hearing the shots going on in the other room. And I see some lights. Um, through the door that I could see across and it was the police that were trying to come in but they were trying to be as quiet as they could be and I would hear them whisper who's alive who's alive and I raised my hand quick and I told him me please come get me and I remember seeing the officer 
run to me. He was still trying to be quiet, but he ran to me. And I asked him, can you please carry me? I can't walk. I can't feel my legs. And, and he told me, I'm sorry, I can't carry you. There's a procedure that if there's bodies all over, I, I can only drag you. And, and at that moment, I, I was just, I, I wanted to get out of there. And I told him, do what you have to do. Just take me out, please. And I remember he grabbed me and he flipped me over and he just started to run as fast as he could. And it was a mix of emotions at that moment because I could hear the shots going on. I was scared. And I would tell him, run, run to get me out of here. Yeah, I had a sense of relief of him pulling me out of there. But at the same time, I'm in pain because now I'm being dragged over the glass that's on the floor. And I could feel the glass cutting my legs open even more than what they were. But still, I was telling him, run, run, get me out of here. And I made it outside. And by God's grace, I could just thank the Lord at that moment. I just kept on thanking him, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He dragged me across the street. So much was happening at that moment. I remember the the ambulances had, had come in at that moment, and they grabbed me. And it was starting to become a blur at that moment. They put me in the ambulance. They went into the hospital that was only a block away. Thank God it was only a block away. And I made it inside the hospital. And uh, it was it was chaotic in there. And at one moment, I was just in the side, in a bed. I'm bleeding out, but I'm seeing all the nurses run. And I, and I remember hearing them yell, Code Silver. And that code is that there's a shooter in the hospital. So they're panicking. And what they have to do is now they have to protect themselves. So now I'm pushed away in a corner. I'm bleeding out because they're trying to protect themselves. But thank God it was a false alarm. So they ran right back. Because of the blood that I was losing, it was just a blur at that moment. And at 10.30 a.m. was when they could finally take me into surgery. And I remember I blacked out. As I was opening my eyes, I was being strolled into my room after surgery. And I remember seeing my mom, my sisters, my dad. And I could just thank the Lord that he gave me another chance to see my family again. Because I remember living in that lifestyle, I was so convicted. I knew that I was living the wrong way, and I didn't want them to see me like that. And I remember pushing them away at holidays, at family events. I would come and I would quickly leave just to go and party and just to get away from them because I knew that I was just the opposite person. And I remember just being able to hug them, being able to tell them, I love you. It was just a sense of being so grateful at that moment. I said, Lord, I, I promise you, my life is yours now. And at that moment was when the true process started. A lot of people ask me, Angel, was that night the hardest night of your journey? And I tell them, no. The hardest part was now starting to live my life the way that I needed to live it for Jesus. I remember learning the verses that would say, deny yourself, uh, pick up your cross and follow Jesus and die to yourself. And I would say, yes, I'm going to live like that. But now was when I started to know what it really was to deny yourself for Jesus. And I said, Lord, okay, I know that this is hard, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I was discharged from the hospital after three weeks. And I remember I was the first live interview that they had aired uh, after the tragedy, it was like a couple days after, 
So being the first live interview, my name was pushed all around the world. I remember getting calls from China, from London, of people saying, we're so grateful that you're alive. But I didn't know that doing that was going to push my name so much out that when I was discharged from the hospital, all these events were coming my way. The first thing I did, though, was give my life to Jesus. I went to church, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm with you. Let's do this. So I started going to church. I started to do that. After um, three, four months, I joined the worship team, and I was doing great. But at the same time, I'm now flying to California, flying to New York. I'm doing all these events. I'm going to the GLAAD Award, uh, which is like the gay Oscars, and being hired by a speaking company, going to colleges and universities and sharing my stories, and I'm getting income that I never thought that I was going to get before. And I said, okay, Lord, well, it's looking good the way that I'm living. I'm going to church and I'm doing all these things. It's, 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 it's great, especially after everything that I went through. Months would go by, and I started to realize something was off. These temptations were coming back stronger than before. And I noticed that I just started to live this double life even going through the tragedy. I started to notice that the enemy was trying to use the fame and the fortune to lure me back into the lifestyle because I was getting the things that I always wanted before. I was getting these offers for a movie of my life. I was getting offers for a reality TV show of my life after this tragedy. I was getting all these kinds of offers being on TV shows. And I was like, this is great. But yet I noticed that it was slowly luring me back into lifestyle, and I was starting to date men again, even being at the church at the same time. I just thought to myself, Angel, this is worse than before. You're living a double life now. You're living in both waters. This is something that God hates. He will throw you up living this way. And I remember I was like, I, I thought these feelings were going to go away, especially going after this tragedy, giving my life to Jesus, I thought he was going to take everything away because that's what I was taught, that for freedom was just everything was going to go away in an instant. And about a year and a half after the shooting, I, I broke down in my room and I was praying and I said, Lord, I, I'm still going through the same thing. I'm still fighting with you about this, about these temptations, about these struggles. Lord, I don't want to fight anymore. Lord, you saved me from this tragedy. 49 people died, and I'm alive, and I'm out here still living a crazy life. I said, you could have saved anyone, but, I, but I'm, I'm alive, and I'm out here. Instead of testifying, like I said, instead of testifying of what, what you were going to do in my life, I'm here acting a mess. And I broke down, and I said, Lord, I, I don't want to fight anymore. And I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, I... I surrender to you. I give you these temptations. I give you these struggles. I give you this battle that I'm going through. But not only that, I give you all of my life. Take everything of me. I don't want to fight with you anymore. Take everything of me. You have ownership of my life. And I remember at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, Angel, that's all he wanted. He wanted everything of you. He said, Angel, Jesus said that he just wants to love you. He wants to get to know you. He'll take care of your baggage. Don't worry about all this stuff that you need to be restored from. He'll take care of that. And he said, Angel, even if you weren't gay, there was so much more that needed to be restored in your life. 
He still needed to meet you. He still needed you to surrender completely to him. And I said, Lord, take it all. Take it all. And at that moment was when my life really started to change, where I started to notice what it really was to be free. I started to get to notice what it was to have an actual relationship with Jesus. And as I was growing, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Angel, it's, it's time to share to the world the real story. It's time to share to the world what God really wants you to do. And I said, I don't know if I'm prepared. I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose the people. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose everything that's coming my way. And he said, Angel, in order for you to enter into a new level in me, you need to speak. And I remember I, I, I just had this boldness inside of me. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And I remember I got this interview with a Christian magazine and and I shared my story I shared what happened that night and then I added that the Lord was starting to transform my life and that I was leaving the LGBTQ lifestyle and I shared everything and at the moment that they posted that interview it just went viral and I tried to prepare myself for what it was going to bring but I wasn't prepared the world turned their back completely on me all the offers all the income, everything that was coming my way, all the people that loved me, all the people that would call me hero, all the people that would would see how I'm doing, all the friends, all, all the family that I made, all completely turned their back on me. And it got to the point where I couldn't even afford rent anymore. I had to move in with my sister from how how bad everything just stopped at that moment. And this became one of the hardest seasons in my life. But yet I tell people, it was one of the best seasons of my life because, yet, yes, I didn't have nobody. I lost it all. I lost everything that I gained at that moment. Everything was gone. Everything was stripped away from me. I was able to learn what it was to truly depend and trust in God and God only, that I don't need anything from this world, that all I needed was him, that yet I lost it all, but there was this sense of peace that was in me. And... In that process, my my boldness just started to grow more and more. And I started to notice that I could go wherever. I could share with whoever of what God did in my life. And I didn't have a sense of fear. I had a sense of boldness. I had this, this, this thing that I just wanted to share, Jesus and what he did in my life. And in that, I started to meet people that had stories like me. And I started to see that I could relate to other people. And I started to see the, the goodness of God in this, that yet me losing it all, he was there for me more and more. And I was able to, to learn what the heart of the Father was. And that it wasn't me just just praying and asking the Lord, take this away from me, take this away from me. But growing into closer relationship with him, let me know the goodness of him. Let me know how good God was and how much I wanted to please him and just be with him. And the more that you get to know Jesus, the more that your life is sanctified. The closer that you are with Jesus, the more your life is sanctified. The more you want to get away from those desires that don't please God. Where it doesn't become an obligation of, okay, check, I, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. It, it becomes something out of love. The more that you grow in love with the Father, the more that you do things out of love. And in this process, I was able to learn what true freedom was. Because I, I, had, I had thought 
my whole journey, I was like, I'm, I'm not changing. These temptations aren't going away. I'm not going to see freedom. But yet in this, I learned that freedom is that, yes, temptations are going to come your way here and there. Battles are going to come. Hard times are going to come. But freedom is when I can confront it and look at it in the eye and say, I don't want you. I want Jesus. That's true freedom. When you're not a slave to your temptations anymore, when you had the option to, do, to choose Jesus over everything else and you choose Jesus, that is true freedom. And the feeling that you have after that is you just rejoice. There is a sense of joy. I experienced what, what I thought was happiness, but I never experienced what joy was. And now I can experience what joy is, what true peace is. And him living inside of me is like if I'm being sanctified every single day. And now that I'm able to share this and seeing other people being set free, seeing other people going through the transformation that I've been in is so rewarding that I don't need the rewards from the world. I don't need the fame. I don't need the fortune from the world. Seeing what Jesus is doing with this community, that's rewarding in itself. Where now I'm with Luis Ruiz and we birth fearless identity where we're going into churches and talking to pastors and leaders and parents and and just this generation that is in need of hearing that there is freedom in Jesus Christ just lets me know that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life is share Jesus, share his light, but most importantly, share his love because in true love, there is transformation. Wow, Angel, that was truly a powerful testimony and even just pieces. Could you give us just a little bit more insight into what God is having you do now? You know, there was a moment when you were in the club and you were prophesying over your life, God, there's promises that you've given me and that you've spoken over me that I haven't seen yet. Can you tell us about some of those promises and has the Lord kind of brought them to pass at this point? Yes, I remember when the Lord would speak to me as as a young child and just share that I was going to speak to the nations, that I was going to reach millions of people, that I was going to be in these platforms. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what story I'm going to use. I remember I, I used to tell my dad, I'm like, Lord, I, I, I used to tell my dad, Dad, God's talking to me and he's telling me all these things th- that are supposed to happen, but I don't even have a testimony. Like, I don't even have a story to share. And I remember that my dad told me at that moment, the best testimony that there is is that you've never left Jesus. And I'll just be like, eh, I don't know if that's the best testimony. Now I know that that is the best testimony, never leaving his side. But I, was, I would always question myself. I'm like, I don't know what, what you're going to do, Lord. I'm this teen that is afraid of everything, afraid to speak of, of the things that I'm going through. I don't know what it is that you're going to do, Lord. And it's crazy to see now the people that I have been able to reach. I've been able to go to other nations, other countries, and share my story and share the redemption of Jesus Christ and share to the world that it's not even about me. It's all about him and his power and his glory and what he can do in someone's life, especially someone that thinks that they're too far gone. I used to think of myself. I used to think, Angel, there's no way back from this. There is no way back from it. There's even people that have told me there's no way that you can return, especially the things that you've done. There's no way. And seeing how the Lord has just turned around my life, now I'm, 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 I'm reaching 
thousands of people without even trying. He's doing it all. Even now, like the Lord still speaks and he's like, angel, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to open the doors for you. And that's what he's doing, like right in front of my eyes, seeing and seeing other people's lives being transformed and being able to, to help the parents that have kids that are in the lifestyle and giving them the hope and just being there with them and having that compassion to cry with them and, and to pray with them. I think it's something that's so beautiful. And now, especially seeing the churches open up to speak about this topic and seeing how they're freely and boldly sharing that there is freedom in Jesus Christ, I think it's something beautiful, especially in the times that we're in today. Now, Luis, there would be a part of the LGBT community that would say you're still gay and you're just suppressing those feelings. So do you still struggle with same-sex attraction? And if you do, like, what has been your process with that? And how has Jesus helped you in that? Yeah, that's that's an amazing question. Um, and I'm I'm a firm believer of being real and transparent because I've seen too much people in the in the faith just lying just to look good and saying that I've been set free and I don't feel this anymore. Uh, but for me and my story and my process, um, temptations uh, do come and go, but that doesn't make me me. That doesn't I, identify who I am. I now, because I've been in a journey with Jesus and, and getting to know him and giving my life to him, he lives in me. My identity is in Jesus Christ. And things can come my way. I tell people, of course, the enemy is going to try and tempt you with what had you chained up before. He's going to try to see if, if you fail again. He's going to try and see if he can use the same thing that he had you one time. He's going to see. But because I know that my identity is in Jesus, I'm able to freely say, I don't belong to you. I'm not what you say. I am who he says who I am. And he lives in me. And the more that you, you, you're open to God living in you, the more freedom you feel from that. Because at a moment, I thought that th there was just no way out of this. Because I was so far away from Jesus, it was like um, this thing just had me and was controlling me and, and, and was my identity. But because I know who Jesus is and I know how real he is, and I know that from the things that he's healed me from, just by that, I know that he's real. And I know that I don't belong to the world or what the world says I am. I am who he says I am. Amen. And Angel, I know that a lot of people can relate to the part of your story where it's like you're doing all the right things. You've given your life to Jesus. You're going to church. But it seems like everything gets worse. What word of encouragement do you have for those people who gave their life to Jesus, but now it seems like their life is worse than when it was before? Yeah, that's it's it's real because sometimes you think that life is just going to be easier because you're with Jesus, but then you see all these all these things coming your way, and sometimes temptations stronger than the, what bef what they were before. But the way that I see it is, the closer you get to Jesus, a lot of times the more the enemy is going to try to bring you down, and I see that as me being a threat, and me thinking that way is like, oh wow, I have power over this. There's the enemy is seeing me as a threat. That means that I am doing something right. That I mean, that means that I am connected to my father even more than what I was before. And even me denying my flesh, dying to myself, I now see it as a beauty, as a sacrifice. I see it as 
one of the best ways to worship God is with your own sacrifice of of him looking down and seeing and him saying, wow, look at my son, look at my daughter, the way that they're loving me freely, not obligated, but the way that they're, their obedience, their sacrifice to me because they want to, I think is beautiful. I think it's different when you say, Lord, take this away from me than actually saying, Lord, I give this to you. When you give a, a desire that you have, when you give something that you like, when you say, Lord, I give it to you, I want you more than what I like, I think that is something so beautiful that we can offer to God. Angel, do you have any advice for church communities that want to love people coming out of the LGBT community but don't really know how and don't really have any experience with that? I believe creating genuine relationships are key to people in the church if they want to build a bridge to the LGBT community or they want to welcome them into their churches without compromising. Creating a genuine relationship is key because a lot of times gay people are expecting that when they come to church, automatically people are going to look at their sexuality. They're going to automatically think, oh, this person is gay, this person is lesbian. They're going to want to ask, why are you this way? Why are you that way? But when we create a genuine relationship, we want to get to know them for them. We want to know what their life is. We want to ask him their name. We want to take him out to lunch, to dinner, and just ask him, How, how's your heart? How, how was your life? And then from there, we start to create this trust and this bond and this relationship where they're like, oh, wow, they're actually trying to get to know me and not trying to change me. Because that's what's happening a lot. A lot of people are trying to change other people. A lot of people are trying to have this behavior modification of now dress like this talk like this, do this, look like me, talk like me, do this and do that. And we're completely forgetting about the restoration of their hearts. When it works from the inside out, we're forgetting about all the things that they need to heal from in order for them to be free. A lot of times we are overlooking other traumas, other PTSD that they have in their life, just because we're so focused on the sexuality part. For example, a lot of people overlooked that I had a problem with cocaine because they were so focused with my homosexuality, and they had no idea that I had other things that I was struggling with because they're so focused on that. So as a church, yes, we want to see transformation, and we want to see the Lord do his thing, but just like that, the Lord will do it. We can't do it. We got to introduce them to Jesus. We got to be a reflection of Jesus. And the best way to do that is to create a genuine relationship that they can see that you really want to get to know them and that they can see that you really love them and you're not trying to change them. Wow. Now, Angel, earlier in your testimony, you you had mentioned that there were a lot of people you found in the clubs or even in the gay lifestyles that were people who had come from church, who knew about Jesus, that knew the gospel and understood it, but had walked away. What would you say to those people if they were watching right now? I would definitely tell them to look for Jesus, to trust in him, to not even worry about their sexuality right now to just grow a relationship with Jesus, to get to know his heart, to get to know the heart that he has for them. Because a lot of times the first thought that they're having is he doesn't love me because I'm gay. And that is not true. That is not true. He's 
ready to welcome you with open arms. He's ready to love you where you're at. He doesn't come to you and tell you, okay, hi, I'm Jesus. Now I want you to change this and that. No. He's ready like a father to welcome you back with open arms and say, let me love you. Let me be in your life. Let me show you the father that I am. The first thing is not, let me change you. Now do this and I'll do that. That's not the first thing. And that's what's stuck in their heads because a lot of them grew up that way. A lot of them grew up with thinking that freedom was, everything was going to go away and that they have to talk a different way and look a certain way and do this and do that. And we overlook the love of Jesus and that we first have to be introduced to his love. How are we going to be transformed if we don't even know who Jesus really is? We need to be introduced to his love and get to know how, how he sees us. So I would tell them, don't even worry about your sexuality right now. Worry about getting to know Jesus and opening your heart to him. Angel, with our culture so hyper-focused on sexuality, whether it's gay or straight, there are a lot of kids that are struggling with their gender identity, with their sexual identity. What would you say to the kids that are questioning right now and don't really have anyone to ask these questions to? And what would you even have wanted your younger self to hear, hear as you were struggling with your identity? I would have loved to to have an ear, actually. I would love for someone to ask me, hey, what's your story? How do you feel? Why are you feeling that way? What have you gone through? A lot of times people just want to come to us and automatic, automatically tell us what to do. When a lot of times we just need to have someone that we can talk to and share what we've gone through and really be there for us. I wish that I had someone that could just sit by my side and, like I said before, tell me, Angel, I want to journey with you. I want to journey with you. I, I want you to lit, I, I, I want you to just be by my side. And I would tell that person, and I would ask them, hey, can you let me journey with you in your life? Not even if you don't want to change, um, not even if, you, if you're not even questioning, let me journey with you. Because the thing is, a lot of times people just want to preach down people's throats. But I think the first way to preach to someone is through your own life, the way that you carry yourself the way that you speak, the way that you live your life is a testimony. The way that you live your life, if you're super close to the Holy Spirit and you have that connection, people are going to feel something different. People are going to know that there is a difference in you. So if you walk close to someone that is questioning and they're walking close to you side by side in their journey, they will know that there's something different about you and they're going to want what you have. Because it feels good. The Holy Spirit feels good. They're going to question, what do you have? What is this light that's around you? Why are you always shining? Why are you always happy? It's so important to be a reflection of Jesus. It's so important to be just like him, even if you go up to someone and they're like, I don't want to change. That doesn't give you the permission to be like, okay, well, forget you then. No, no, no. Even if someone doesn't want to change, I still want to get to know you. I still want to journey with you. I would still like to be your friend. Because at some point, the door is going to be open where I can introduce Jesus to that person. Angel, who is Jesus to you? Jesus. He is my healer. And just by him being my healer, I, I know that he's real. From the things that he's healed my heart. 
the pain that I don't feel anymore, him healing me from abandonment, from rejection, from father issues, where today I can say that I don't feel those anymore. Like, that's the first thing that I can call him my healer. I can call him my friend. I remember I used to just be scared of, of Jesus and just thinking him as a king. And he is a king, but he's also a friend. He's someone that feels what you feel. He's someone that has a compassion like a mother. He's someone that can rejoice with you, can mourn with you. And it's crazy feeling that tangible presence of him when you're crying, when you're in pain, you could feel him that he's in pain with you. When you're happy, you can notice that he's happy with you. And feeling that, it just lets me know that he's so real and that he's by my side and he doesn't care what I'm going through, that he's always going to be there for me. He's like the brother that I never had. He's the artist in my life. He's the creativeness in me, where sometimes I don't understand why I'm so creative. And I'm like, it's, it's all you, Father, because you're the most creative person that there is in this world. That's who he is to me. He's my healer. He's my best friend. He's a brother that I never had. What he did on the cross for me, I was no one. I was someone that I thought was too far gone. I was someone that people rejected. I was someone that people pushed to the side. I was someone that I thought I didn't feel that I was worthy to be a son, to be a brother, to be a friend. But yet he came into my life and he healed me from that. Where today I can say that I have this joy, I have this peace that I've never had before. He is my healer. Angel, do you have any last words for the people that may be watching this? There's something important that I, I do now and I share with others, and it's this prayer. Because there's so many people that come to me and they tell me, Angel, can you pray for my gay son? Can you pray for my gay daughter, my gay best friend, my gay brother, my gay cousin? And I always tell them, well, what's their name? Because I don't want to call them by their sin. What's their name? And then I tell them, before we pray for them, let's pray for you. Let's pray for your heart. Let's pray that you see everyone through the lens of Jesus. Because through the lens of Jesus, the way that he sees people, he doesn't see them by their sin. He sees them by their name, by who they are. So today I say, pray for your own heart, that you see everyone through the lens of Jesus. This is something that I pray for myself too every single day. Lord, let me see everyone through your lens. Let me see them by how you see them, not by their struggle, not by their sin, not by their temptations. It's very easy to look at someone and quickly judge them by what they're going through. But no, let's look at them the way that Jesus looks at them. Let's love everyone. Let's have compassion. Let's journey with the people that are struggling. Could you pray for the people watching and the people who have been connecting with their story? Yeah. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord, that you never leave us, Father God, Lord. Even in the moments where we're the ones that just push you away, that we're the ones that stop talking to you, you are always there, persistent, Father God, Lord, loving us, calling us by our names, telling us that you're going to be there, Father God, Lord. So we thank you and we love you for that, Father God, Lord. I pray for everyone that's watching this, Lord, everyone that comes across this 
video, Father God, Lord, in every video on this page, Father God, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you touch them in a mighty way, Father God, Lord, that you introduce them to you, Father God, Lord, to your heart, Father God, Lord, to your love, Jesus, Lord. Reveal yourself to them, Father God, Lord. Reveal your beauty, Father God, Lord. Reveal to them what you've done on the cross for them, Father God, Lord. Reveal your love, Lord. Reveal your heart, Father God, Lord. Reveal what you think of them, Father God, Lord. Let them know, Lord, that you will meet them in the darkest, deepest places, Father God, Lord. That you want to love them, that you want to get to know them, Father God, Lord. I pray over their lives, Father God, Lord, that as they see this video, Lord, they can feel your presence so tangible right next to them, Father God, Lord. I pray, Father God, Lord, that they feel you, that they feel your love, Lord, that you overwhelm them with your peace, with your joy like they've never felt before, Father God, Lord. We thank you for your love and your beauty, Father God, Lord. In your beautiful name, we pray, amen. Who came and land? I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. My darkest night will turn to day where the soul of man never dies.
know that whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life. Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top. By aligning ourselves with God's purpose, our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I've felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives. 
because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path, and we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us, in chapter 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols. So this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, Without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take his rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number 3 know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. 
This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10, verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments. 
away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give Him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in His presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order. With God at the center, number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see Him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing Him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from His throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. 
That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number 8. Understand Life's True Purpose Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling, by honoring God and following His commandments? We align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number 9. Know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, 
The son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform when we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent and those challenges we encounter. They evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, everlasting Father, almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses, as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, 
I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare, in the name of Jesus, that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you. In the name of Jesus, you can help us to reach more persons and spread the gospel. You can do this by sharing the video with a friend or family member who you know needs the blessing of this prayer and by clicking the like button. Also remember to subscribe to the channel for more videos that will bless your heart and uplift your spirit. We appreciate all those who support us. You're blessed to be a blessing. If you have received this prayer and you feel convicted in your heart to take an extra leap of faith, I invite you to say this prayer that you've just prayed for the next seven consecutive days right here on our channel. By praying for the next seven days, you'll amplify your faith and your connection with God. Reinforce God's promises in your heart and ignite divine breakthroughs in your life. On this note, we're delighted to share that many of those who are a part of our Daily Jesus devotional community have been coming forward with some truly touching and inspiring testimonies. Many have experienced God's abundant blessings, breakthroughs, and favor 
after taking part in our previous seven-day faith-filled challenges. People's lives are changing, and we humbly give God thanks, and we give Him all the glory. And so, we've been encouraged to facilitate even more of these faith-filled challenges. We warmly invite you to visit our channel and commit to saying this prayer that you've prayed today for the next seven consecutive days and watch God work in your life. These are anointed prayers of faith, and so we ask that you open your hearts and expect to see God's mighty hand work wonders in your life. And as you experience His blessings, we would like to hear from you, so don't forget to share your testimony. When all foundations have been shaken When I'm left standing in the dark And all I feel is my heart breaking You still reign and you're still God And when it feels all hope is fair Jesus, for you I 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank God for another Tuesday morning, and uh, we thank God for all he has done for us, what he's doing right now, and what he's going to do. Great and mighty things for us. We are his people, and he still reigns, and he's still God, no matter what we go through. And uh, today we uh, played all of Brother Lewis' favorite things, his favorite songs. And, um, I didn't get to the woofers at the door, but we pay, we played Put God First, yeah, and a great testimony. And I could hear him saying this to me, you know, we should never be mean or disrespectful to people of any kind. There's still people with feelings and, yes, overlooking some main things in the person's life, not their sexuality, for God is love, Barbara. Uh, find out what's going on with the person that is different. You know, find out what's going on with them. Just because they're different, it don't mean they don't have some things going on in their lives. And we shouldn't look at their sexuality, uh, what kind of sex they want to have and who they want to have it with, but we should look at what's going on with them. Yeah, what can we do to be a blessing? And as Angel said, we should let our lives be a living testimony unto others so that they can see the God in us and not the ugly, mean uh, things that, you know, we're against people because they're not like us. I can hear Louis breaking this down for them. And then um, I look back at many days with Louis, and uh, he was just a blessing unto me. And we were brothers and sisters. And uh, I thank God for him. Thank God for his life, the time he had here with me and uh, with his family. I thank God that Louis came when he came 14 years ago, never left, stayed in man the chat room. Yeah, he held that chat room down every day faithfully. And it wasn't so much that Louis was faithful to Jesus in the morning or his sister Barbara, but Louis was faithful unto God, and I can testify unto that on his behalf because he told me, as long as you're teaching and preaching Jesus, I'll be there. But the day you stop letting Jesus be the Lord of your life, I got to go. I can no longer be there because daily he was seeking God to hear a word from heaven. And that's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Thank God for his wife, Sherry, and his grandson, Stephen, his granddaughter, Kimmy, his great-grandson, Mr. Mason. He's got a sister. And we thank God for his family and friends. And Louis was known for different chat rooms on Blog Talk Radio. He called it uh, BTR for Blog Talk Radio. And, uh, you know, he would just help me. He would just help me. He would find scriptures for me. Uh, he would find the things that were going on in the earth, and he would share with me because I'm not one who watches news like that. I trust the word of God. God already told us what would take place. And so I trust his word, and Louis would find different things. Hey, pray for California. They have wildfires. Pray for this place. They just had a bad storm or a bad hurricane. Hey, get out of there. Don't stay this year. Yeah, and when you're on your way to Orlando, just be careful. Don't get in between trucks and this and that. Oh, yeah, he would give me great 
information because Louis was very smart. He was a smart man, I'm telling you, intellectually and spiritually. And he was the one that blessed me with the wolfes at the door uh, from the Times Square Church in New York. Yesterday, I got a wonderful, wonderful letter. I'm going to call it a note from Sister Lisa Williams in New York. She's over in Broward, New York. And uh, she wrote me and told me she had been listening for two and a half years. And uh, she listened to the Woofers at that door, and she loved uh, Times Square Church. And so I thought it was just a beautiful thing uh, to receive that note in the mail from her. And uh, I wrote her back last yesterday evening, and I'm going to mail it off today. Minister Shonda, I didn't get your box off, but I will mail it off today because I'm going to the post office. And so I just thank God again for Louis. And I thank God for sharing God for the years that uh, they have been here with me. And uh, I wrote a little something about him, not much, but a little something. And I know you say, oh, Barbara, don't make a fuss. I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm resting. Don't make a fuss. But he meant so much to me. He really did. And uh, I know that many in many different chat rooms who knew him, uh, could appreciate many things that Louis would say and do because, again, he was a very smart man. And uh, we thank God. We thank God. Listen, the studio is open. If there's anyone has something they'd like to say, please feel free and press that number one and come in this morning and uh, share with us. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I know that Louis know that God was still God. Yeah. He still reigns. He still rules. No matter what's going on, he has not taken off the throne and given the title of Almighty God, Jehovah, who have all power. He has not given that to anyone else. He still reigns, and he's still God. And so we're thankful unto him. We're going to go through some things in this life, many things we will go through. But we want to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. We want to count it all joy when we're going through great trials and tribulations. For God still reigns and he's still God. And if we'll go to him, take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. I said leave them there. Once we go before the throne of grace to make our petition known unto almighty God, we leave it before him. We don't get up with it and walk away still concerned about it, worried over it, keep thinking about it. We let it go because we've given it to Almighty God. Whenever you give a gift, you let it go. You don't go back the next day and say, hey, what a gift I gave you. What did you with it? No, that's not the way. So when we go before the throne, we give it to God. And we walk away. I give it to him as a gift. Because Abraham again this morning said, is there anything to our God? The scripture says with God, nothing is impossible. But with man, it's impossible. Because we need a savior. We need a God who can fix it for us. Whatever it may be today. 
It may be sickness. It may be a disease. It may be your job. It may be your marriage. It may be your children. Uh, it may be your home or bills or whatever. But if we give that to God, trust in him and walk away, remembering he still reigns and he still God, no matter what the situation may be. And all are going to go through something. I'm here to tell you. I thought because I come to God, you know, all my troubles would go away. I would never, you know, have to encounter nothing bad ever in my life. Well, my son got shot. <laughs> yeah, he was a young boy outside playing football, and these people come through and open fire. Yeah, he had nothing to do with you. He was just in the wrong place, wrong time. But I went to the Lord and I told him this, God, you heal my youngin' and make him like he has never been shot, like he has never gone through anything. I will not seek revenge. Now, the enemy come back and the enemy tried to show me where you need to take revenge. He could have killed your son. Do something about it. Well, these people come to me and, and I knew what they represent and I I knew what they would do. And they said, listen, we'll go out here and kill him right now on the basketball court. I said, no, please don't do that. Please please don't bother him. Leave him alone. Well, that's who they was looking for. I said, I can't help that. I don't want any harm to come to him. All the ones that shot my son, I made a deal with the Lord. I said, so I gave it to God, and I can't have anything to do with it. So one of them told me, he said, well, look at here. And when he pulled his coat back, he had a big, huge gun. He said, well, I got to go out here and say something to him. I said, well, that's between you and him. But don't let it, don't think it's got nothing to do with me because I have nothing else to do with it. And he went out there and I could see him talking to the young man. And then I saw him getting a little angry and I saw him pull that coat back. And show the young man, if you want to get bad with me, I'll lay you down and you won't get up. You know, that, that, that her son got up, but you won't. And I just stood there kind of looking crazy, you know, because I couldn't believe it. And then he walked off. The young man walked off and them two walked off. And I shut my back door and I went on about my business. But I never forgot that. Because, see... When you don't want to take it up, the enemy sends somebody who will. Because they don't know God in the way that you know him. And I during this time wasn't like I am now. I wasn't fully knowing God. I had that form of godliness and I denied the power thereof. Yet I believe God heard me and that he would take revenge if revenge needed to be taken. But I talked to my son, and we went on with our lives. And he's still alive today, doing well. Yeah, and if he, the son that got shot, the bishop, if he would surrender 100% to God, that it, it won't, no problems. And that's what I think. You don't have no problems, Barbara. You have God. And the enemy is going to send things. But our trials come to make us strong. And if we obey the word of God, and when God speaks in our spirit, if we obey him, 
we'll be more than all right. I'm telling you, more than all right. It won't just be all right. <laughs> It'll be much, much better than all right could ever be. As this morning, we thank God that we can go before the throne of grace, make our petitions known unto him. We thank God this morning that his word is true. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us unto the end. Whatever you need this morning, I need you on your knees before the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell him all about it. All right, Minister Shonda, coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing good. God bless you. Um, I was just listening, and um, I just wanted to call in first just to um, say how much uh, I care for Louie, too. And I never met this gentleman, um, but just the things he shared on Jesus in the morning, like the um, when he talked, when you said, told you to let people know about the shingle shot. Um, you know, I talked to my husband and somebody else about the shingle shot because of Brother Louie, and I um, miss him. I miss somebody I don't even know, but God made me know him through Jesus in the morning. So I'm thankful for that. Um, the other thing is, Evangelist, is that I'm thankful for this platform because you had posted something this morning. I reposted it on my Facebook page um, about forgiving. And this platform is a support for me in my spiritual walk. And it's good to have people around you who edify and lift you up. And so some, when I prayed to God this morning about um, forgiveness, unforgiveness, because I just felt some unforgiveness and bitterness still inside of me. And I can tell you just listening to what you said just now, it's just God. And I'm so thankful um, for you. And I, I give God the glory, but I'm glad that I'm here on Jesus in the morning because I believe you care for not only me but all the listeners, and you want us to succeed spiritually. And I just want to tell you that I love you, evangelist, and I thank God. For you. Thank you. You just don't know how much it means to have someone in your corner praying for you, being understanding. Thank you. God using you to correct when necessary. I thank God for you. Thank you. Because sometimes it is Jesus in the morning that really helps me throughout the day. It helps me to let go because that was the word this morning, let go. God bless you. God bless everybody. I don't. I know I cry a lot, but y'all just don't. I thank God for people who love me, who really care about me because I don't want to ever take it for granted 
because to have someone that cares about my soul is priceless. So I pray he just provide every need, evangelist of yours. He just bless your ministry because people come here because they seek in Jesus, and he's using Jesus in the morning to edify us. Thank you for that. Thank you. God bless y'all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. God bless you, Minister Shonda. And I often say this because, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. I know it to be the truth. You're not just a woman that God called, but you're, hey, glory, you're a woman that God chose. There's a difference between the calling and the chosen. And I know the enemy fights you really hard because he don't want you to step out in real faith and trust and be that chosen vessel that God called. Because I know how smart you are. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. (laughs) And when God shows you something, it is what he showed you. And we don't need to know people after the flesh. We need to know them after the spirit. And when you know someone after the spirit, no matter what the flesh does, you can overlook the flesh and keep looking at the spiritual person because that's who God is in. God have that spiritual part, yeah. And so I thank God. You reminded me of this. I had some problems last year during the holidays. I was sick, had a really bad cold. Went to the doctor. She sent me to the emergency room. When I got there, the emergency room doctor, they did all of these tests, and I was coughing, and, oh, it was bad. He come back, and he said, ma'am, you don't have COVID. You don't have bronchitis. You don't have pneumonia. You don't have asthma. He said, you just have a really bad cold, and it have to wear off, ma'am. But I'm going to give you a little something to try and help it. And I bought a bunch of over-the-counter medications. Sister Jerry paid $50 for a bottle of something. I forgot the name of it, Jerry. And I took that. That that didn't do really no good. It had to wear off. And I had to continue to pray and uh, drink hot toddies and lemon and honey. At one point, I poured some uh, vodka in it. I poured gin in it. I was trying anything I thought, peppermint and lemon, just all kind of stuff. And eventually it went away because I believe God that last year for the holidays. I started in November wrapping gifts and this and that and sending out gifts and things. But coming on up to Christmas, I just was not feeling it. I couldn't cook a meal. I couldn't invite nobody over. I spent Christmas alone. My niece came and she said, I'm not coming to the house, but I sure, you know, want to see you for Christmas, at least see you. And I drove up about four or five miles to meet her. And she ran to the car on the passenger side and threw an envelope in the car with a Christmas gift in the envelope. And she said, I'm going back. And I said, oh, it was cold. It was very cold here for Christmas last year. But I remember all of these things. Lewis sent me uh, elderberry. Anytime I had a throat problem or cold, he gave me elderberry um, 
turmeric, all kind of stuff he had me to buy. And he did the same with Sister Jerry. She said, I've been taking Lewis stuff, and I'm feeling so much better. He gave all kind of stuff that would help her. And the same for many of them. Sometimes he talked about the vaccine. Don't take it. Don't do it. This and that. Stay away. Uh, wash things. Yeah, he would put, you know, chat with me in the chat room telling me things. So I remember those things as well, Minister Shonda, so much, so much. And so I just thank God for having people who care about other people. Yeah, I thank God for his love for each of us. And I want to ask y'all to do this this morning. If I don't have your uh, phone number and a family member name, I'd like for you to get that to me if at all possible. I'm going to give you this number today to text it to. So text me that information so that I will have it. So if anything happens, uh, uh, we never know. You go in the hospital, whatever. If it's at all possible, I can get there to see you. Yeah. And to let your family member know that someone loves you. Yeah. Because I truly do. I truly care for the people. Because God gave me those gifts. I have the gift of love, the gift of giving, the gift of caring. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people who chase me for the gift of prophecy. They like that future thing. What's going to happen? Hey, I applied for this job. Am I going to get it? I need a new car. Many times, if they would just sit still and know that God is God, God would use my mouth to share. Yeah. Even you, Mr. Shonda, I can remember the Lord telling me to tell you about a new car. <laughs> and she got the car. She didn't come asking. He gave that to her. And several other things he have used me to minister to her because he wants her to be encouraged. Don't go away. Don't do this. Just stand right there. I'm going to bless you through Jesus in the morning. Yeah, I'm going to bless you. It won't be Evangelist Barbara. It would be me, Almighty God, Jehovah, that have all power. I'm going to bless you right there. Yeah, and it's all right today in Jesus' name. And many others, some people never will come and testify. But I know what God did. I know what they told me he did. Yeah. How did you didn't even know this? No, I did not. Now that is no. Nobody told me anything. God spoke in your life for the sake of you. Hallelujah. And when I obey him, don't you know he blessed me? I'm blessed when he obeyed me. I'm not rich. I don't have millions of dollars. But God blesses me. Yeah, in many different ways. And spiritually, Ooh, I love it, I love it, I love it, because I couldn't make it without him. And I'm so thankful this morning, so thankful unto him. Thankful for Dorothy Goodman this morning. Yeah, thankful for this woman. Thankful for Sister Irene. Yeah, always supporting, not always sending some, always doing something to encourage me. And I'm thankful. Hallelujah. Thanks to the reader. God bless you this morning. Thank God for you. Yeah, because I see that 727 number. It's a blessing unto me. And I know you may think, well, why does the Bible favor me, God? <laughs> he sent you my way. Nobody but 
almighty God. He's made some promises that he's got to fulfill for you. And he don't want you going away because he want to show you what he used to tell you it will surely come to pass. Sometimes we hold our own blessings up because we're doubting. Well, I don't know. Hey, leave it alone. Trust God and walk away. Let it go. Yeah. I have people I tell to let go. These people go to church all the time. Every Sunday they're there. And when they tell me what's going on, I say, well, let go. Let it go now. And let God take it up. And they'll come to me and say, well, I know what you're going to say. Let it go. Yes. Why would you hold on to it and you asking God to fix it? That would be like me asking the mechanic, hey, can you put a... Uh, a battery in a car, or, or, or what that, a solder on it, because the car won't start. But if you put a solder in a new battery, the car stops. We know this to be the truth. But the mechanic said, yeah, I can do that. I, I, all I need you to do is let me have the keys to the car and just get out the car and I'll fix it. But I won't get out the car and I won't give him the keys. If I don't get out, he can't lift the hood. He can't do anything under the hood that he, he can't replace the starter. He can't replace the battery because he can't get under the hood. The same thing with God. You're asking him to do stuff for you, but you can't let it go. And then you're doubting. If you doubt, you won't receive because you don't believe. But we got to believe God with our whole hearts and lean not to our own understanding. Because most times when we lean to our own understanding, I know for me, and I'm raising my right hand, I'm all the way off. It's as far as the east is from the west, how far off I'm, I am with my thinking. I'm thinking it's going to come like this. No, it won't come like that. There's no way you could think of how it's going to come because God have ways you could never consider. Your mind, it's not as big as his. He said, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Tell me about it. Come, 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 come. Let us reason together. Your thinking is off. Your sins are scarlet. You know, uh, you, you don't know which way to turn. You want it like this, but that way won't work for you. So come, let's talk. Tell me about it. And when I go to him, I tell him about it. And I let it go. He fixed it. Sometimes he don't talk about it. After he said, come, he don't say nothing else to me. He just listened to me. Sometimes I'm griping. Sometimes I'm complaining. That's the honest truth. And sometimes he'll send somebody along to say, stop complaining. I'm like, what? Who are you talking to? He sent them along to tell me, stop complaining. I heard you the first time. I'm fixing it. Can I have a little patience? Can you wait on me? These are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. As high as the heaven is uh, from the earth, that's, that's how much off you are. You don't know nothing. And I know people fix all this stuff up and they think they're so smart and they got to go out. You don't know nothing. Without God, you, you just a fish out of water. Because of him, we have a mind today. Because of him, we have our beings. We're alive. We're moving. We can do things, get things done. But if we acknowledge him more, he's going to direct our path more. 
Be not wise in your own eyes. See, because I'm wise in my own eyes many days. I just knew this would come out like this. And if I went and did that, this would work. No, ma'am, it did. I didn't have the solution to the problem. I couldn't solve it. Only he could. When I turned it loose and let it go, gave it to him and moved on, forgot all about it. When I turned around, it was already done. I forgot it was even a problem, and he showed me. Remember, look what I did for it. I fixed it. Could you have fixed it this way? No, sir, I could not. Father, it's no way. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. People have treated me like I was somebody, Cleo or something. No, I'm not a psychic. If God don't give it to me, I can't give it to you. The only way I can give it to you, he's got to tell me. If he don't, I'm just like you. I don't know. I know his words say we can stand on his promises because they're sure promises. They're promises that will never break. But we got to lift our eyes to the hill from which, which, which comes our help. All of our help comes from the Lord. It's him that made the heavens and the earth. The earth is his again this morning. The fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Are we really going to God with our problems? Are we really trusting him? Are we happy in Jesus? Are we keeping our mind on him? Are we remembering today, no matter what, we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Do we constantly remember no weapon formed against us shall prosper? I don't care what they bring along. Witchcraft, voodoo, white magic, they say they find you on the job, they're going to foreclose on your house, they're going to repossess your car, your furniture, uh, your husband say he want a divorce, your wife say she want one, the kids don't like you, they just want to use you. I don't care what come your way, it won't prosper. He didn't say it wouldn't form, he didn't say things wouldn't come against you. Against you, but it will not grow any bigger. It'll just come and sit there. And when you trust God and let it go, he'll fix it until you see it even remove away. It's gone. and won't come back. He cut it out from the root. There's no root that can grow. In order for plants to grow, it got to have a root. So when God cut these situations out from the root, it's not coming back. But we got to let go and let God have his way in our lives. Let him be the God of our lives daily. Oh, I could tell you some things. You know I got testimonies. How he moved. Oof. I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't looking for one thing, he gave another. I wasn't looking for one thing, he added three to the one. <laughs> uh, or added two to the one, which made it three blessings. I've seen him do uncommon blessings. Yeah, and I trust him today. Listen, we want to send some uh, flowers to Brother Louis. Uh, send him Sherry's way. And I can give you my cash app. I can give you PayPal. Or you can sell it to me. I gave. I, I, I want to give you this number. 
Again, that's 904-643-1434 if you'd like to zail me. Over on Cash App, it's the money sign, the big C, A-S-H, the big N-O-W, 1727. That's money sign Cash Now, 1727. Over on PayPal, you can send it to Freedom Doors at yahoo.com and uh, we'll put our pennies together and get some flowers uh, down to Ocala for Louie and uh, Sherry can plant them in her yard or or whatever Uh, also wait a minute I forgot this where my phone you can send it over to his granddaughter if you have uh, money that you'd like to send you can send this over uh, Louis' granddaughter. I'm looking for it now, y'all. I almost forgot that. Because I asked her for it yesterday um, so that, you know, if, if it's something they need or Sherry need, you're able to do it. Uh, Stephen and I don't have cash app or PayPal, and I honestly wouldn't know, even know where to begin with setting one up. The only thing we have is Zelle, and that's only because our bank does it automatically. So uh, let's see what else did she I don't know if she wants me to give that phone number out. That's my only problem. So we, we do what we do, and uh, I'll get it down to Sherry. Now, if you want to send your own individual flower, which I'm going to do if we pull our monies together, I want to send flowers to Louie and Sherry. And uh, I know Sherry plant them, have them plant in the yard so she can always remember because she knew Louie loved Jesus in the morning. Yeah. I remember uh, the first time I prophesied to Louie, I told him about a trip he was taking. And he and Sherry (laughs) went camping. And I told him a few other things that came to pass. And after that, I couldn't get rid of Louis. Louis was going to be here. And uh, I just thank God for him. I just thank God for him. And let's let's get together on the flowers. I'd like to send more than one. Yeah. And peace lilies are beautiful. Yeah, Sister Jerry sent me one. I know that woman paid over $200 for that big old flower. And the uh, florist brought it when my oldest daughter passed away. But, uh, Let's get together, and if you want to send money, you can sell it to me. I'll make sure he get it, make sure Sherry gets it. If you want to cash at me, I'll make sure she get it. Or if you just want to send, come with us together, all of us, and let's just send flowers. We sent a uh, flower down there to Apostle Boat, right, and she got it, and she said it was beautiful. And so we thank God we sent Bro Frank flowers. Yeah. Because we're a family here, and we want to look out for one another, not just in death, but if we find out one of us needs something, we want to come together and do the very best that we can. Yeah. And see, some people know, Minister Shonda, some people just know, and they just go ahead and do things. Louis was one of those people. If he heard someone was in dial straight, as soon as I said it, I could immediately go to PayPal because he had sent and on behalf to be a blessing unto them in some way. When we needed 
$1,500 for one of our loved ones here. Louis got on it. Louis was on it. Louis, Irene was on it. Irene Dot was everybody came together. So, so Jerry, everyone came together to give. Now, some people, that's not what they're going to do. They, they're more of the kind that hands out, you know, to receive, never out to give. And we understand, and we're not talking about them. We just understand. Some people don't understand the word that says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So we'll pray for them that they will get the mentality that God loves a cheerful giver. So wherever a door comes open, we'll give us. Yeah. Uh, one of uh, Shante's old employees, when she worked here uh, in Florida, came over and gave me a bunch of backpacks with all kind of school supplies, nice things. And I went to Cassandra and I come back with backpacks for school, you know. And I didn't have enough children to give them all to. So what I did is I just held on to them. And I'm going over to an elementary school this morning. To I called and asked the principal. If they, she said, oh, yes, all that you can bring, bring them to me. I need them. I said, okay, we will be over tomorrow morning. And we will drop those off to you. She said, oh, thank you so much. Because I was going to take them to another school. And the Lord said, no, take them right here. Take them right. It's closer. And just take them right over there in Jacksonville. So I'm able to do that today. And I thank God for it. Yeah. Thank God for being a cheerful giver. Yeah. God loves it. Hallelujah. So is there anyone that have something uh, they would like to say this morning? The studio is still open. And uh, we're going to one more song of the morning. I promise Sister Lisa Williams, <laughs> Broward, New York. I promised her a um, a shout out and a song this morning. So I want to play this one for her. I'm looking for it, y'all. Y'all bear with me. I'm looking for it right now. And this is the song. Sister Lisa, this one is for you this morning. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting in my soul, Hallelujah. Fill my cup. Thank you, Jesus. Fill it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put the nails through my head. 
www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, hallelujah. It wasn't easy, he's saying to us today, but it was worth it, huh? It was worth him suffering. It was worth him dying for us. And so we're grateful to Almighty God this morning. Hallelujah. For giving his life so that we could have life. Oh, we thank him today. We thank him. Thank him that we can go to him in repentance for anything that we've done wrong. Because the scripture says if we know it's wrong and we do it, he said it's a sin. And so we thank God for daily. We trying to correct what we know is wrong in us. And we go to him and ask him, Lord, you find anything in me that should not be. Take it out and save me, God. Take this thing out of me that shouldn't be and replace it with your spirit. Replace it with your love in the name of Jesus. He's able and he's willing to do it for us. And so we're so thankful unto him. Thank you, Minister Shonda, uh, for words of encouragement this morning. Thank you for coming in uh, to say something on Louis' behalf. I know he'll appreciate it. 
Yeah, I know if he was here, you may have told you, Sean, to say something for me. Yeah, say something on my behalf. Yeah, and so I'm thankful, thankful uh, unto Almighty God. And again, if you want to help me to send some flowers uh, down to Sherry, I'd like to send more than one uh, over to Sherry. Please feel free uh, to contact me. You have the phone number, 904-613-1434. You can call me and ask me uh, for the information again. And uh, if you need prayer today, call me. I, I have time to pray with you after the show. I'll be a bit busy because I'm working on some things. And I know y'all remember Big Stepper. And uh, Big Stepper is asking to come back to the show again. So I'm trying to get it worked out with her on Friday because it's Testify Friday. So I'm trying to work it out with her for Friday that she can come back and uh, share some more things uh, that God has done in her life. And uh, I'm trying to uh, get some legal information to her. I am busy. Now, those old timers, as I call them, that faithful few, they know how I roll. They know that I am busy basically day and night. Because if I'm not working with somebody, I'm talking to somebody. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm keeping somebody company. I'm laughing with somebody. I'm doing something to help somebody. I may be sending food. I may be taking food. I may be doing this. Yeah, so I really, if you don't call me, I really don't have a lot of time to call you. Yeah, even Sister Jerry, every morning right after the show, she and I used to talk. I've gotten so busy until sometimes it's after 12 in the day before I can check on Jerry. So a lot of times she'll just send me a text and say, I'm good, oh, yeah, I'm I'm all right. Yeah, that's to let me know because she understands I'm busy and I didn't get a chance to get to her that morning. But if you were, you know, let me know whatever it is that I can do. If you think I can do something, I'm more than happy. Another thing I want you to remember, I can only do what God allows. I can't just do what I want to do now. Yeah. And sometimes people think that, well, she can just, no, no, if God don't move, I can't move. And if he says no, I got to stop. I can't do it because I don't want to disobey. Hallelujah. And you don't want to get me in trouble. Y'all know what God does to his enemies? I don't want to be the enemy of God. I want to be the daughter that love him. Hallelujah. And so it's all right today in Jesus' name. Is there anyone else have something they would like to say? If not, I will pray us out this morning, and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for all that has been said and done. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us to put you first. We thank you this morning for the testimony of angels. Thank you for saving and sanctifying, filling them with your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for putting them on the road of correction. Thank you for the anointing that you placed on his life, God. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And, Lord, as your people, we ask that you would fill us with your love, that when people come that are different from us, God, we don't look at their sexuality. We don't look at even who they are, but we look at you. You made them for your pleasure. 
And God, as he said, we want to go on this journey with them. We want to ask them, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do? Do you just need to talk to someone? Whatever it may be today, we want to be your people. And we want to show love for you are love. It makes no difference that they are different. But God, you're the same. The God of love. The God that healeth thee. Oh, you're our Jehovah. Hallelujah. You're almighty God who have all power. And Father, there's no higher power. You sent your son, Jesus, that you could redeem us back to you. And we're thankful unto you this morning. As we go today, lead and guide us in the right path for your name's sake. Fix our hearts today. Regulate our minds. Father, bless our families, bless our friends near and far. Move today for us in a mighty way. In the name of Jesus, strengthen us, God, as you're having your way in our lives. Remind us, O oh Lord, that we can look to the hills from which comes our help. All of our help comes from you. Father, it's you who made the heavens and the earth. Touch those that are sick this morning, those that are going through feeling bad. God, we ask this morning that you would move in healing upon these your people in the name of Jesus. Strengthen Sherry and Stephen and Kimmy and Mr. Mason and Louis' sister, God, as they go through this hour of bereavement. And God, we ask that you would shower Sherry with your blessings like never before. Strengthen her, oh God. Bless and heal her eyes that she see again in the name of Jesus. See clearly, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would multiply what she did for me when I went to Ocala multiplied back to her and Kimmy in the name of Jesus. Thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. And Father, bless our going out and our coming in today. Again, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. We ask it all this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. Oh, we thank you this morning. We give you glory, for without you, Father, we can do nothing. Father, as we depart, may you watch between me and these, your people, while we are absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus. and Give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. October, I mean, November the 7th, 2023, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye, and again, I'm going to speak. Have a blessed day, and we're going to our last song of the morning, and after this song, I won't be coming back today. God bless you. God bless you. So this song says this. I don't know God's gonna do it. Hey, 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 hey. And I don't know when. When it's gonna be.
ความมองเสียเวลา